Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. F-ing geek. A, a f-ing geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. Yo, what up and welcome in. It's another edition. You know, it's the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. I, your humble guy, Jonathan Von Tobel, over the next, uh, what, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. A little bit of a delay on the pod, obviously, usually come out on Thursdays. I appreciate the patience. Had a little bit of an outpatient procedure yesterday. And I have stitches in my ear and the right side of my face is pretty swollen. Nothing really serious. But if you, <laughs> if you look at my face, it looks like I'm holding, like, if you ever saw Ed and Nettie, this reference might go way over some of your heads. But when they had those jawbreakers and like their faces were all massive and swollen and round, that's what the right side of my face looks like at this point right now. But I appreciate the patience. We had, I mean, it actually kind of works out, right? Because the last couple of days in the NBA have been absolutely insane. Whether it's been the Los Angeles Clippers, absolutely dominating. I would say dominating. I paused for a second. I was like, do I want to use that term? Yes, domination. Uh, the Clippers. 
putting forth a dominant performance on the offensive end to take a 3-2 series lead without Kawhi Leonard, whether it is Joel Embiid and the Atlanta Hawks absolutely crumbling in the second half yet again, whether it's all the coaching news that has transpired over the last couple of days, the fascinating tale of Harlebaugh Volgaris and the Dallas Mavericks front office, the fact that Rick Carlisle is out, Scott Brooks is out, we have all these openings in terms of head coaches, Man, it has been an insane few days in the association. We won't spend a lot of time on, on some of the ancillary stuff, right? Coaching searches, things like that. Mainly because, you know, it's a it's an NBA podcast, but it's also an NBA podcast with a focus on sports betting. So I wanted to begin, I think you know where, the Los Angeles Clippers. And we'll keep this short because, again, we're coming out of this on Friday. Clippers will play later tonight with a chance to move on to the first Western Conference Finals berth in franchise history. But this has been my case for a really long time after you've watched this. And I want to make this clear as we you know, do a quick preview of what we're going to potentially see tonight. I think that it was lost upon a lot of people what the Los Angeles Clippers did to the Utah Jazz in games three and games four. Games three and four. Speak English. And it really played a massive part in their victory in game five. And I honestly think it's funny. We talk about coaches all the time and guys like Ty Lue, right, getting absolutely destroyed. I think this has been an extremely poor series from Quinn Snyder who has not adjusted in any way whatsoever to what the Utah Jazz have had to endure from the Los Angeles Clippers. But all the credit goes to this team, man, and what they've been able to do. And we'll get to Paul George in a second. But just from a game plan standpoint, for those who aren't clear on what the Los Angeles Clippers have done now for three consecutive games – Look, the Utah Jazz are a fantastic three-point shooting team. Absolutely incredible. But what is lost on the way that they play their offense in this three-point shooting, right? Because all, all anybody talks about, oh, my analytics, it's all about the three-point shooting. It's not. And while the Utah Jazz shoot as many threes as anybody in the NBA, I think they led the league, actually, in terms of three-point frequency this year. They were third in three-point shooting. Their offense and their three-point shooting is predicated on dribble penetration and driving and kicking out to shooters, right? Many in the NBA, I think it's uh, Zach Lowe has put it, uh, you put them in the blender where you get inside the paint, you kick it out. They are littered with catch-and-shoot three-point shooters on that roster. Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, not Bogdan, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. All of these guys are elite catch-and-shoot three-point shooters. So you get Donovan Mitchell, you get Mike Conley to attack off the bounce, you get dribble penetration, Right, you use it with a pick and roll, of Rudy Gobert. Gobert can either finish as he rolls to the basket, or you kick it out to a three-point shooter. The ball moves around, thus the blender analogy. Right, the ball swings around. You get another team into rotation. You find an open shooter. You hit it, and then you go from there. And dribble penetration has been a massive key to that. But what the Los Angeles Clippers have done is told them, <laughs> no, you're not going to get the dribble penetration that you want. Games one and two. The Utah Jazz, within 14 feet of the basket, averaged 34.5 attempts. They shot 53.6%. But then you saw Ty Lue, especially in that second half of that uh, Game 2 matchup, dedicate himself to a small ball lineup, to, to switching in zone, a mixture of both, trapping as well on Donovan Mitchell sometimes. And the Jazz go from 34.5 attempts per game within 14 feet of the basket, 53.6% shooting, to 28.3 attempts within 14 feet of the basket in games 3 through 5, and 49.4% shooting. The Clippers have done a tremendous job with this small ball lineup 
of limiting dribble penetration, which has left the Utah Jazz to just hit a whole bunch of isolation threes, right? And look, it has worked because they're shooting the ball extremely well. But when you're shooting over 50% and you drill, what was it in the first half? 17 three-point shots? 16 three-point shots in the first half of game five, and you're only up by five at halftime? You've got a problem. And that's exactly what the Clippers have done on the defensive end. They deserve so much credit. And Rudy Gobert, as great as he is as a player on the defensive end, he is not a post-up player. He is not one who can tack off the bounce. His offensive skill set is not very wide outside of finishing on some lobs and getting some offensive rebounds and putsbacks, which he did in Game 5. And so, when you watch them play, the Clippers will switch Paul George under Rudy Gobert. The Clippers are comfortable with Marcus Morris on Rudy Gobert. The Clippers are comfortable throwing Marcus Morris. And Nick Batum, excuse me, on Rudy Gobert. Sorry, I've been up since 2 a.m. I apologize. But you get what I'm saying. You'll even see Reggie Jackson, if he needs to, switch on to Rudy Gobert. Because he is not a threat in terms of a post-up game, in terms of finishing over guys. It's just not there. And so, you get what you've gotten over the last few games, where the Jazz, from an offensive standpoint, have been very reliant on three-point shooting. And while the shots have fallen, they get nothing inside of the arc. Just look at game five. Utah took just 26 attempts inside the arc. They shot 61.5%, but guess what? Most of that was Rudy Gobert on putbacks and finishes. Six out of eight. And this is where my criticism of Quinn Snyder comes in because you can you can adjust to this, right? It's not so much pulling Rudy Gobert off of the floor, but it's doing some more stuff off ball, right? Running some pin downs, getting some screens away from the actual pick and roll that you're running at the center of the floor, to then get this zone moving around a little bit, to get eyes off of the ball for a lot of these zone defenders and a lot of this switching. Force them to switch matchups other than the, ma- the, pick, the pick and roll at the main point of attack. But we haven't really seen that much from Quinn Snyder and the Utah Jazz. And so I, it's, we, we have all these conversations around coaching and every... Quinn Snyder, I think, deserves some criticism for the way that he has game planned this from an offensive standpoint. And for those who think that Rudy Gobert shouldn't be playing, I mean, what else are you going to do? They don't really have any other options. Derek Favors has been absolutely roasted when he's been out there. The Clippers have no fear of him whatsoever on the defensive end. They go at him almost any single time he is on the floor. And they have no other depth in the front court outside of that. You know, Kazabuke is going to be out there? You know, Kazabuke was really good in college. He's not going to be a centerpiece and defensive piece for you in the postseason in the NBA. And so that's just, right, that's just on the offensive end for the Utah Jazz. Let's talk about the defensive end for the Utah Jazz because this has been where I think a lot of people, including myself, have been really surprised, and especially after what Paul George and the Los Angeles Clippers did in Game 5. But through this series at this point right now, the Los Angeles Clippers have an offensive rating of 124.8. It is the best in the NBA over the last five postseason games of any team. 124.8 points every 100 possessions. A net rating of plus 9.7 over the course of this series. And it ties in directly to this small ball lineup. Because, and in, in, look, this isn't picking on Rudy Gobert, but it's all at the center of it. When you have a small ball lineup, the way the Clippers are rolling it out there with five out, Rudy Gobert is forced to play away from the paint. Rudy Gobert is forced to play out on the perimeter. And even if it's Terrence Mann, Terrence Mann who pump faked and destroyed Rudy Gobert the other night, on what I will qualify as a dunk. You have to respect it because he's going to take that shot. And so when you pull Rudy Gobert out of the floor, 
Guess what happens? It opens right up on the interior. And sure enough, games one through two, when they weren't as dedicated to the small ball lineup, the Clippers, yeah, they had 39 and a half attempts per game within 14 feet, but they only shot 53.2%. Games three through five, their attempts within 14 feet dropped to 33.3 per game, but guess what? Shooting skyrockets to 58%. They have been brilliant at getting the ball inside and getting consistent looks and exploiting Gobert in a lot of those matchups. Reggie Jackson has annihilated Rudy Gobert, pulling him out in isolation and working him possession to possession. And then you get what we've gotten from Paul George, not only, by the way, over the last three games, which I'm going to go crazy if I hear another person say, oh, it's one game. Watch basketball, please. Okay? Watch what has happened over the last three games before you make a comment like it. The last three games alone, Paul George, 33 points per game, 50% shooting from the floor, 44.8% from three, averaging 4.33 makes, uh, three-point attempts makes, if I get through it, per game. That's the last three for the postseason, George. 45% shooting from the floor, 36% from three, 25.9 points per game. He's been really solid throughout this postseason, and these last three games, he's been downright incredible. Three consecutive 30-point games. He's scored at least 20 in every single postseason game. So enough with the, the pandemic piece stuff, but enough with it. Really, it's just the lazy narrative of it's one game. It, it's not. So just, like, just be a little smarter with the analysis there. But regardless, outside of Paul George, outside of Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris steps up a little bit in the last game. Remember in game four where he was absolutely brilliant to start that game in terms of three-point shooting? This Clippers team has figured something out from a schematic standpoint, which gets us to the betting market and what we talk about with this, right? Which is the betting market overreacting. Kawhi Leonard is a massive piece for the Los Angeles Clippers. But from a matchup standpoint, the Clippers are doing things in this series that they can replicate without Kawhi Leonard on the floor. You saw it again in Game 5. You don't need Kawhi Leonard to play a switch-all-small-ball-zone defense-type scheme, right? It, it, it gets greatly improved with Kawhi Leonard, but you don't need him out there to do that. If Paul George is going to continue to do what he's done throughout this postseason and over the last three games, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard is still a loss, but you can still win games with this type of lineup. And, by the way, I will say, I feel relatively vindicated in my thoughts on this series. I thought the Clippers were the better team at full strength. I thought the Clippers should be favored. And even if they go on to lose at full strength, I don't think there's any question that if, Paul, if Kawhi Leonard was on the floor here, the Clippers are the better team. M- miss me with the three-point win. In game one, in which in the second half, you bounce back in a massive way if you're Utah, and you shoot 52% from the floor and 44% from three. In game two, where you have a massive lead and you blow it because you can't handle the zone defense, and you allow a 26-9 to run, and the Clippers take a fourth quarter lead, ultimately to lose that game. The last three games have displayed the gap that there is between these two. Whether it's the 26-point win for the Clippers in game three, the 14-point win for the Clippers in game four, or an eight-point win on the road without Kawhi Leonard. That is one of those things that I'm just not going to budge off of anymore. The Clippers were the better team coming into this series. So regardless here today, look, from my my personal perspective, those who know, right, I took that plus 140 on the Clippers before the series started and locked in a little bit with a Jazz at plus 145. So I'll sit back and watch what happens. I still have my Clippers ticket at 11-1 to that I took right before game six of that 
Dallas Mavericks series. And obviously the Clippers fan of me really wants this to happen. And I think that there is going to be a Suns and Clippers matchup in the Western Conference Finals. I think what they've been able to do, even with the return of Mike Conley today, I think what they've been able to do is something that has bothered the Utah Jazz. And from a matchup standpoint, the Jazz don't really have a lot of answers for. And and Mike Conley adds another catch-and-shoot three-point shooter on the floor. Mike Conley adds another playmaker and facilitator, another guy who can attack off the dribble to help with Donovan Mitchell, who has been ailing with this ankle injury now. But I just don't know what, like, from what we have seen, think about this from the last, like, it's eerily similar to what we have seen recently in the postseason. Anthony Davis, Lakers. Lakers on the verge of getting eliminated. Anthony Davis rushes his way back from a groin injury, plays, what, four minutes, can't finish the game, Lakers get eliminated. James Harden, Brooklyn Nets on the verge of elimination, that series was tied. But rushes back, hamstring injury, doesn't look anywhere near the same. You need a massive Kevin Durant game, and then they lose a Milwaukee. But this is just, it's funny how when you're on the verge of elimination, the injuries get better, right? And all of a sudden you can play through them. You just don't know how healthy Mike Conley is going to be here. So I do think the Clippers are going to pull this out, and I think the Clippers close it out, and they move on to the Western Conference Finals. So we'll spend a lot of time on that. And look, we don't need to spend a lot of time on the Philly and Atlanta matchup. I still think it's fascinating that if you look at what Philly has done for four consecutive games now, they have had a double-digit lead of some sort, right? Game two, game three, won by double digits. Game four, had a double-digit lead and blew it. Game five, had a double-digit lead and blew it. And it's pretty telling that over the last five games, despite trailing 3-2, the Philadelphia 76ers have a plus 5.1 net rating. But here's the thing. Philadelphia doesn't have a crunch time offense. And if you look at the fourth quarter, despite having a positive net rating for the series, overall, the Philadelphia 76ers in the fourth quarter of the series, a negative 5.4 net rating. They have no dynamic pick-and-roll offense. Their main ball handler is now Seth Curry, who Seth Curry's awesome, but Seth Curry is an off-ball guy. He shouldn't be running your pick and rolls almost every single time, the few that you run, by the way. And I wrote about this in Points Red Weekly this week, is that in the big picture, and I assumed that the Philadelphia 76ers were going to move on. Obviously, they still can. They're only down 3-2. They only need to win two straight against a team, which they have dominated for two games in this series. But in these crunch time minutes against really good teams, your offense is going to struggle. Because Ben Simmons, while he is a good ball handler, offers no wrinkle in terms of your pick-and-roll game. He will not finish with a floater. right? He can't pull up from mid-range if he's got space to shoot. Even if, he ha- you know, even if he's got a small defender on him like a Trey Young, he can't shoot over him. And so the lack of respect for Ben Simmons as a ball handler in the pick-and-roll situations, the lack of respect for Ben Simmons as a free-throw shooter, has really led these Philadelphia 76ers down this path. But it's also more than that. It's the fact that Tobias Harris goes 2 of 11 in Game 5 and only scores 4 points. Furkan Korkmaz only goes 1 of 5 from 3-point range. You need more from the other pieces. Tobias Harris, former Clipper, as much as I love Tobias Harris as a player, there are times where you know he goes through his stints of shooting relatively poorly and they, they pop up frequently. And he got another one of those in Game 5. After the first three games, averaging over 20 points on 60% shooting, the performance has fallen off. Really, this series has just shown you what the Clippers, or excuse me, the uh, 76ers need to address in the offseason. They have no dynamic ball handlers. 
no point guards that make you respect them in all areas of the floor, top of the key, mid-range, and at the rim. And that kind of a point guard would help them immensely. A Joel Embiid pick and roll with a legitimate point guard could be something that would be really magical, but they just don't have it. Now, going back to this matchup, right? When Seth Curry and Joel Embiid are your only scorers in the fourth quarter, it's a positive because those are two matchups that work in their favor and they're exploiting them consistently. Clint Capella is not an answer for Joel Embiid. The Atlanta Hawks are trying to hide Trey Young on Seth Curry and he is cooking him throughout this entire series, making punishing him for that. So now it's up to Tobias Harris and the others to start to perform at a much higher level from an offensive standpoint. Because if they're not, then you get blown second-half leads. Joel Embiid clearly hampered by his knee injury, 3-21 of in second halves in the last two games, not fully healthy. And the offense just has no imagination. It's a post-up of Joel Embiid or Seth Curry trying to run some sort of a pick-and-roll. And Curry, excuse me, Embiid, is either going to pass out of that post up or he's going to try to go to work. It's just not a very intuitive, ingenuitive offense. I think I used that word correctly. Don't blame me. I'm sorry. I'm tired. And then that gets you to the final point here, which is Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has a history of this. We've talked about it at nauseum over on VSIN. You know the history of Rivers. <laughs> I almost cursed. I know the I know the history of Doc Rivers, right? Being a Clippers fan and seeing what happened to those series in the postseason. He's got to do better with these bench lineups. Like, I just throw Simmons out there with some shooters and see how it works. He still goes with his all-bench plus Harris unit, and it just doesn't work out. The bench mob rotations are just not working. They don't work in the postseason. They don't. And the Philadelphia 76ers are paying for it. So I do believe today, you know, look, the market moved. In the direction of Philly, open two, got the three. I believe that is the right move. I do believe that Philly is going to tie this series up, take it to seven, and back at home and have a chance to close it out. But there's a lot, a lot, dependent on Doc Rivers. And he's really got to shower up those lineups big time. I'm going to take a break here. Really quickly, a reminder, please like, rate, review, subscribe. Always enjoy the appreciate, appreciate the uh, the support and the shout-outs that I get every once in a while from people who enjoy and listen to the podcast. On the other side, we got a game seven between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Pretty fascinating. Market's really weird with this series, man. We'll talk about that because, like, I think it's been wrong a majority of the time. Like, the Nets are 4-2 and two against the spread in this series for a reason. We'll discuss why. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, only on the VSIN Podcast Network. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Hey, guys. Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The best two words in sports, right? Game seven. I really like that. I I hate cliches like that for the most part. Because like when people say it's the best two words in sports, I always I always make the point that I mean it, it's not really for the team that was up, right? Like for example, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, I don't think today you're saying, "Man, best two words in sports, game 7, can't wait." I feel like the three best words in sports at this point if you're a Nets fan are Eastern Conference Finals. Wouldn't you rather? <laughs> wouldn't you rather be moving on? But regardless, we get a game seven between Brooklyn and Milwaukee, as Milwaukee gets a really big win over the Brooklyn Nets, comfortable win, one hundred four to eighty nine at home. Now, the initial takeaway is that it's pretty shocking that the Milwaukee Bucks still have kind of scuffled in this series overall from an offensive standpoint. Uh, but we'll put that to the side. Wanted to focus on a couple of things from this matchup and in this series overall. First off, kudos finally to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because for the first time, we finally, finally see him get the message. No three-point attempts for Giannis in the game yesterday. 30 points, 17 rebounds, 12 and 19 from the floor. Dominant within four feet of the basket. 1.3 points per shot attempt. He was great yesterday. And in the regular season, you can experiment with your jump shot. You can experiment with the three-point shooting. A Giannis three-point shot early in the shot clock is a wasted possession. I don't care if it goes down. It's a wasted possession. And they wasted a lot of those in the early games against Brooklyn. Keep this up. Because that was, I think, one of the bigger problems. But what's been pretty astonishing is that again yesterday, the Bucks get a win 
despite some really poor shooting. Now, Chris Middleton was great. 33 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, was 9 of 14 from the floor, 5 of 8 from 3-point range, 10 of 11 at the free throw line. There was a key moment where the Brooklyn Nets actually cut it down to 4, if I remember correctly. Actually, it might have been 5. And then they immediately give up a 14 to nothing run, and was the impetus behind that was Chris Middleton getting fouled on a 3-point shot, sinks him, and then it's a 14 to nothing run for Brooklyn. But, I mean... If the the Bucks are going to win this series, they need more from the other guys. Drew Holiday yesterday, twenty one points, but eight of twenty one from the floor, one of ten from three point range. PJ Tucker, one of five from three point range, has only made field goal tonight. Brooke Lopez, zero of three. Pat Connaughton, or as I like to call him because he doesn't deserve our respect, also because it's a joke because I've heard this announced like seven different ways. Pat Connaughton, Tim Murray's boy, zero of five from three point range. And then Bryn Forbes in his uh, limited minutes, 0-1. So yet again, a really poor shooting night for Milwaukee. But they go 11 of, or excuse me, 15 of 20 within four feet of the basket, eight of 14 on short mid-range shots, 13 to 24 overall from mid-range, 54.2%, a very good clip on those shots, and they ultimately win this game and force a game seven. And it was a tough, it was a very tough spot for Brooklyn. The Nets, namely Kevin Durant, got nothing from the other supporting pieces. Durant was brilliant again. He was 32 points, 11 rebounds, 15 to 30. Didn't shoot the ball well from beyond the arc. And this is the thing, and we'll expand on this in a moment, but James Harden looking a little bit more comfortable. 16 points in 40 minutes, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 5 and 9, and 3 of 6 from three-point range. So you had some more life out of Harden. But, like, the three-point shooting from the rest of the crew, it's got to get better, right? Joe Harris, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, all go 1 of 4. Landry Shamit, in 22 minutes, didn't even attempt the three-point shot, which is really weird given what Landry Shamit can potentially do. The disappearing act of Joe Harris over the course of this series has been absolutely incredible to watch. A guy who can shoot nearly 50% from three over the course of a season is just no-showing. And this isn't like, a gotta got get better. It's just incredible that these guys can go through something like this. They're human. How about that? But one of the areas in which I thought Milwaukee really looked more like themselves, they murdered Brooklyn in transition yesterday. They added 6.3 points to their offensive rating per 100 possessions. Average of 146.7 in terms of the efficiency on offense and transition. Started 18.5% of their possessions with a transition play. They were really good. Really good in transition yesterday. And they got to keep that up as they move into this game against Brooklyn. But here's the thing. To build on that topic where the betting market, I believe, has kind of gotten this wrong throughout this entire process. Milwaukee opens up as a one and a half point favorite on the road against Brooklyn. Throughout this entire series, the betting market, and look, I know that there's a lot of respected bettors who really like the Milwaukee Bucks. But the betting market at every turn has told you that the Milwaukee Bucks are the better team. And, I mean, personally, if we're we're talking about this being full strength, I think it's pretty clear who the better team here is, and that would be Brooklyn. But you're talking about, okay, Game one makes sense. Three and a half point spread. But in game two, the market overreacts. James Harden gets lost to injury. And despite them losing that game, Milwaukee opens up as a one and a half point favorite on the road. We all know what happens there. 125 to 86. The Nets take care of business. But then the market overreacts again. Because for game three, Milwaukee opens up as a three and a half point favorite at home 
a number that I actually thought should be Brooklyn minus one. And they ended up winning that game 86-83, but they don't cover. And what happens in game four? The market kind of corrects itself, closes about one and a half in favor of Brooklyn. But then you go back to Brooklyn. No Kyrie. He gets lost to injury in game four. Right? And then you look at this and you go, well, wait a minute. Again, we're talking about the Bucs being favored on the road, one and a half. KD has the game of his life. 114 to 108, the Nets win. But Harden's back. So I guess you can understand Milwaukee being favored in that game five because of the status of Harden and everything. But I will take this to my grave when anybody looks back on the year that was 2021. Five was an insanely high number for this game yesterday. But the Bucs take care of business and the market opens them as a one-point favorite on the road. That's incorrect. And the market corrects itself immediately. Brooklyn now favored by one pretty much everywhere you look as of early this morning on Friday. And that makes sense. The Nets should be favored here. Whether you want to say one and a half, whether you want to say two, they should be favored on their home court. And even then, remember that with with home court being factored in at about two and a half points by the market, the market is still telling you that the Bucks are the better team. It's just that because of home court, the Nets are being favored here. So, this has been a tough series for me to kind of handle for the most part. Because after watching the first two games, I truly believe that the Nets are much better than the Bucks. But the injuries have totally altered this entire series, as we know. The little thing I hold on to here is the fact that James Harden looked a little bit more comfortable in this last game. And if you're getting close to healthy-ish James Harden, it makes all the difference in the world. And clearly, after what happened over the last two games, the Milwaukee Bucks still do not have an answer for Kevin Durant. Like I think that's really clear at this point right now, right? He shot over 50% in the last contest in Milwaukee. was pretty gassed and like, had to do pretty much everything. They were working him on the low block like crazy. But over the last two games, we're talking about KD scoring 40.5 points per game, or in total, right, 81 points, on 58% shooting from the floor. So there's no answer for Kevin Durant. He's been incredible in this series overall. He had two bad games in Milwaukee, and that was it, and everybody started freaking out. So I tend to think that the Brooklyn Nets are going to close this out. I don't trust Bud as a coach at all. I think the Nets are still slightly the better team, even though the market's telling us otherwise. But I think that this is going to be one where the Brooklyn Nets move on, and it'll be fascinating to see who they get, because, oh my gosh, would I love, would I love a Hawks and Nets series. You know how much fun that series would be? Man, that would be a great series. I mean, regardless, Philadelphia and Brooklyn would be pretty fun too, but I think ultimate entertainment would involve anything with the Atlanta Hawks, whether it's Brooklyn or Milwaukee. Be absolutely incredible. All right, we'll take our break here. Uh, I just want to clean up some stuff, talk about a couple more things when it comes to eh, just some of the news, right? We'll, we'll address a couple of the coaching nuggets. Uh, there's some coaching odds out there as well we can discuss and some anecdotes thrown out there by some of the beat writers. Give you an idea of where some of these coaches might be heading. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT, at Roach underscore 97, and at VSIN Live. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, before we get out of here, uh, I should probably note the big story of Friday are you sitting here teasing coaching changes? Who the hell cares about that? Bombshell today. Not really a bombshell. Celtics trading Kemba Walker, number 16 overall pick in the 2021 draft. 2025 second round draft pick to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second round pick. Boston, of course, getting off the $73 million that are owed to Walker. How about that, dude? $73 million for Kemba Walker. You know, you like... You remember that these guys have these, you know, bad contracts. I put in air quotes because, you know, Chris Paul at one point was considered a bad contract. Now the guy's fucking incredible. Mark down that curse word. But, yeah, you forget how much these guys are getting paid. $73 million for Kemba. So it's financial flexibility, and it's clearly right, an attempt to address the front court, which has been a weakness for a while now. It's actually pretty much since Horford left, right? Moses Brown is a really solid young kid. Average pretty much 9-9 nine and nine this season. Has some really strong upside. Has some good size. He's listed at seven foot two. You know, he kind of checks the boxes of what everything that Boston has needed with the potential to be a really good rim protector. So you kind of understand it from that perspective. you got to ship off the first-round pick to get off of Kemba. But I, I think I kind of like that in terms of the deal here. And if you're talking about what the Celtics could potentially look like next season, like there is something there, man. 
There is something potentially there if they address the point guard position properly, right? If they go out and get a dynamic ball handling and facilitating point guard that could score at all three levels, there's kind of something there. Like, I, I at least kind of think that there's something there that could potentially turn things around a little bit quicker than people realize, right? And if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, like, what this roster looks like, Marcus Smart, if he's going to be on this roster as well, like, there's so many things that would work in the favor. And I say that in terms of Marcus Smart because uh, Marcus Smart is, of course, on an expiring deal and maybe a trade candidate if they want to shore up more room. He's only owed about 13.8, but it'll be the last year of his deal, 2021-2022 season. But it makes sense. And look, look. Kemba Walker for Oklahoma City, who again gets another first-round pick. Kemba's going to be on the move. One of the rumored places before Kemba got dealt to Oklahoma City was Dallas. So we'll see if maybe that comes to fruition and if they can bleed something out of this turn-up in terms of flipping over Kemba Walker for something. But it's a pretty interesting deal, man. Really interesting deal. All right, we're going to cut this podcast a little short. I think it's relatively solid, though, in terms of the content. As always, really appreciate any of you tuning in and listening. I cannot thank you enough. You know, I really like doing this, and I only get to do this because of support from the people who are listening to my voice right now. So, again, thank you. If you could, like, rate, review, subscribe, at me, JVT, up on Twitter. You can interact anytime. I try, I try to get back to everybody if I ever get any interaction, unless you're a dick, in which case, like, come on. I don't really care. But even then, nah, all you do is, is, is you get a mute. So, But regardless, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, hardwood handicappers, dude. Let's get this rolling. Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals are upon us. Can't believe the season's already over. We'll continue this in the offseason, though. NBA Summer League, I will be out there live when that gets started out here in Vegas, so that'll be a lot of fun. So we'll don't worry. We'll have plenty of NBA coverage as we kind of reach the end. But, man, I cannot believe we're already here, huh? Conference Finals, next time we talk, are already going to be upon us. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.